Welcome to the Red Letter Christians podcast. Red Letter Christians gets our name from the Bibles that highlight the words of Jesus in red. And we're aspiring to live as if Jesus meant the stuff he said. We know that the loudest, most prominent voices representing Christianity in America haven't always been the most beautiful or the most faithful voices. And we know that the way we change the narrative is by changing the narrators. We are committed to amplifying the voices of people who are dedicated to Jesus and to justice. Hello, everybody. This is Shane Claiborne, and I am so glad you could join me as we talk about faith and how it impacts the way that we live in the world. For too long, Christians have reduced our faith to just a doctrinal statement or a, a set of beliefs on paper. And y'all know it's more than just a way of believing. It's a way of living. That's why they called it the way in the early church. And Jesus didn't just come with a doctrinal statement. He came ready to sign people up for a revolution, for a way to live that was in stark contrast to the materialism and militarism and violence uh, of the world that he lived in and is still in contrast with the so many of the dominant patterns of the world we live in right now and i'm excited you could listen to this show in particular i get to have a lot of guests on the show and my my friend joel simpson is my special guest this week hey buddy good to see you hey yeah thanks glad to be here thanks for having me yeah, and the reason I wanted to have him, not only is he a great friend and someone I respect so much, but he's also pastoring a local congregation in a little town in North Carolina, and I absolutely love it because I believe that uh, the kingdom happens not just in these big moments, and in the, but, but in the everyday life of pastoring congregations and many of you listening to this show have uh, our pastors uh, just like Joel and and um, you know one of the things that we're trying to do within Red Letter Christians is create a network of congregations that love Jesus and care about justice and it's pastors like Pastor Joel that I think embody what that can look like um, so first man we met down in North Carolina uh, we were spending the year Katie and I living on our bus, on our school bus turned into a solar powered tiny house with a compost and toilet. Boom. And we met <laughs> um, Joel and, and his partner, Danny. Uh, we started going to First Methodist Church, First United Methodist Church in Taylorsville in this little town. Of, of I, I, I had to check my fact on it, Joel, because I, I was kept hearing it was about 2,000 people. And in fact, it is about 2,000 uh, uh, citizens in the town of Taylorsville, yep. and that both has its charm and its challenges, right? Um, yeah. So tell us, tell us about you know how you uh, grew into Taylorsville because you've got your own story and uh, went to seminary and uh, got appointed to Taylorsville. But tell us about you know kind of how you settled in there and uh, um, uh, at, at First Methodist. Yeah, be glad to. And uh, my dog might be going a little crazy right now. So if you hear something, that's what it is. Nothing's happening here. Just regular dog bark. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, um, Taylorsville was my first solo appointment, has been my first solo appointment. So I was an associate before this. And um, man, it's just a unique community. Uh, little, the 
town itself is maybe 2,000 people. The county is one of the smallest in the state of North Carolina, maybe around um, 34,000 people in the whole county. And um, it was a tough adjustment going from a city to a rural place. Uh, but as some of my members have pointed out, which really shifted a lot of my thinking, Jesus did virtually no ministry in a city. Jesus traveled in all these tiny little places. And I thought, oh man, what, a, what an important thing to notice uh, for my life and for anyone's life who's not in one of these mega churches or in one of these big cities or that Jesus's most impactful moments are in moments where most people wouldn't even look. Yeah, I mean, you look at these towns like Bethany, you know, I went to Bethany, yeah, little bitty yeah. town, or Capernaum, which is still has like the ancient ruins there. And, I, you know, you read about these proper nouns, these places in scripture, and you realize that, I mean, um, sometimes we have this big idea, but when I went to Capernaum, it's like 400 families live there, you know, so it was a little <laughs> yes. town, and Jesus is in people's living rooms and in these little spaces, and um that's part of the point of the story, I think, isn't it? That God came in yeah. real flesh in real place and time. Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the gifts of like a small community too is when I showed up, I told them my first Sunday, I said, well, I walked the, I walked the town this week and everyone laughed. They were like, oh, did it take you three minutes <laughs> to walk around? <laughs> and, uh, but with that comes the, we could actually make this place be like the kingdom of heaven, right? There's, yeah. You, you can shift and mold and make change in this sp space that you can't do in a place like Charlotte, North Carolina, or Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, it's going to take a different amount of work and a different amount of time and a different kind of policy structure. And so there's a lot of opportunity in that. Yeah, and part of what I wanted to talk to you about, because I feel like it relates with where people are at so much, is that um, these are complicated little places. I mean, our, our country is complicated right now. We're divided uh, in a lot of ways. There, there seems to be uh, a real racial reckoning that's happening and, and white folks and people of color are experiencing really different things, I think, in America. Yeah. And that's become really clear. Uh, it is reflected in our, uh, you know, politics and in almost every conversation in America. But there's also, um, you know, a generational divide. There's a lot of young people that are leaving the church. And so you're navigating these things as a young pastor. I think we just need to throw it all out there, man. Since like some people are listening via podcast, uh, how old you yeah, yeah. are and, yeah. um, you know, and, and tell us a little bit about your congregation. Cause in Taylorsville, I mean, you see Trump flags, you see, still see Confederate flags, sadly, you right. know, and, um, um, but you, you also, uh, have, I mean, patches of Taylorsville are really diverse. You've got rural poverty. You've got a lot of Latino folks, Spanish speaking mm -hmm. folks. And so it's not just a, a, a unilateral monolithic group, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So first, how old are you? Uh, so I'm 32. Uh, I've been doing, <laughs> so I've been, uh, let's see which Everyone also says, became so apparent young. it became apparent yeah. when we went indoor skydiving right that uh, <laughs> you're just a little younger yeah. than me but anyway right. go. yeah 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 so people will say to me all the time you're so young and my go-to is I was younger when I started right so yeah so I've been doing eight, eight years now like full-time ministry and people will say regularly I've never seen it like this how do you navigate things like this and this is the only thing I've ever known our country has been like this since I've been in ministry, right? It's been this divided and it's been that vocally divided. So there's never any, uh, which is good for me because I don't think, I think the sweeping stuff under the rug is unhealthy and unhelpful. Yeah. I'd rather just address things point blank. Um, 
and so my congregation is mostly majority white congregation. Um, we've got some different uh, diversity through families and uh, racial makeup and ethnic makeup. Um, and probably within our county, we get labeled as the liberal church. Um, whether that would stand true in like a city, uh, maybe more middle of the road, you know, but we've had people like protest our congregation, like stand outside with bullhorns and protest things we're doing. Or um, when we started a contemporary service before my tenure, um, about 15 or 16 years ago, even McDonald's put on their sign, like God does not like contemporary worship. So McDonald's had commentary on it. Wow. McDonald's. Yeah. So this is before, I don't know, was Twitter around 15, 16 years ago? This was, you know, this is the level we were at. So <laughs> the, the community being small is passionate and cares yeah. deeply and everyone's got commentary. And, um, and at the same time, this congregation's DNA is we're going to do what we feel called to do. And we're going to deal with whatever the kind of backlashes or whatever we have to navigate we'll get through that yeah. which is a really cool space and place and spirit for them for the congregation to have yeah and and so when you're when you're pastoring folks that really have strong feelings um i mean some of those things you and i have talked about you know even whether or not we bring guns to church uh <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> right just the, the little things you know um yeah. but i mean or or the big things you know like um uh, w whether your congregation's going to uh, marry folks that are the same gender, you know, some of these things that are dividing entire denominations. But one of the things that I feel, I, I said this to you before, is that it's like your fruit is a serpent, innocent as a dove, as Jesus said. So you've got these really strong convictions that you have, but you're helping other people navigate where they are. And I hear you say all the time, you may not agree with me. Um, and you encourage people to kind of seek the spirit, you know, and, and to like form their own convictions. But how do you, to, you know, how do you navigate that um, as, as a person who, I mean, you're not, you're not timid about your own convictions, but you're also pastoring people that disagree with you that probably vote different than you. And we've, we've, you know, ha had some conversations, you know, together with your congregation on the death penalty and other things that I know that there were folks that these were new thoughts for them, but you're really gentle and gracious as you kind of invite people into those ideas right yeah well try to be I don't always feel like I'm as gentle and gracious as I could be so <laughs> but um in general I try and I think part of my work just in my life is how do I invite people to new ideas and how do I invite people to see things in different ways whether that's through a, a sermon or through teaching or through going and doing something together um and I really don't believe we all have to end up on the same page, but because that would just be absurd, right? How could that be? <laughs> so, so there's got to be wiggle room. There's got to be room for people to be wherever they are and for people to be okay with that. As long as, you know, the one standard always being, are you loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself? Mm. So you can have a different opinion and still love yeah. and, and love well. So as long as that's kind of our, our true North or North star, then I think the rest of it can be okay. So I try and hold on to that and be intentional. One of the practices I do, if I'm going to talk on a really difficult topic, which is one of my favorite things to do in a, a sermon is like, let's talk about something tough and delicate because, um, because every sermon, I think <laughs> this is horrible, but this is how I, I think about every sermon. No one wants to be here. So 
what does this need to be like in order to be engaging and deep and captivate people and funny and all these pieces, right? Um, and so talking about the topics people really want to talk about and what it means for our spirit and our life together and how God jumps in there and what we're called to do, it matters. So I try and think about my own perspective and be honest with myself. This is what I believe. And then say, okay, well, what do, what do people who believe exactly the opposite of me believe? And then what's the middle ground in between those two things? And over time, I've even found that practice as I get ready to do that. Um, I've found myself shifting my own beliefs on something before I get ready to preach the sermon. By the end of the, the month leading up to it, it's a really tough topic. I'm going to do a lot of research. And I'm going to say, wow, I think I was wrong. I, I, maybe I was holding too extreme of an opinion that was ungracious to people who thought differently. And I find myself kind of ending up somewhere in the middle, which is a really humbling experience to encounter over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. And you, 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 you do great sermons. I'm going to say all this because Katie and I still, you know, being back in Philly, uh, we, we tune in to the live services, which you all can see at, at First United Methodist Church, Taylorsville, uh, on Sunday morning at 9.30 Eastern time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you can see some of the archives, but your sermons, you put a lot into them. And um, I mean, the advantage of like a speaker like me is you can kind of go different places and you can recycle just a little bit, you know, right. <laughs> but yes. you're coming up with new yes. material every week. And you, you've done these really courageous series. Uh, Y'all, uh, Joel's done uh, a series on uh, the, the different world religions. And not only did he talk about it, but he talked with people who are many of them right there in Taylorsville that uh, hold that uh, different faith tradition. So you had a rabbi and an imam and different uh, leaders within uh, um, uh, different religions, and they shared about their faith and you, and you're building on these relationships and friendships too. But how, how I mean, talk about like how much you put into a sermon, because I think it's really, um, and you, you don't have to be timid about this. Cause I think we've all heard a lot of pastors that don't put quite enough time into <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the sermon yeah, yeah, yeah. that she or he is preaching. Uh, but you put a lot yeah. of love into it. Yeah. So I probably spend, I spend about 20 hours a week. Um, and I just know, like, I need 20 hours to make this happen. Uh, it can be less, but uh, if it's not something I want to listen to, if it's not something I feel like, um, yeah, I don't know, just less than 20 hours, something doesn't feel right. So, and that just, I mean, that's exegesis. So that's like studying scripture and scholars. And then, um, that's probably maybe half of it. Then the other half is literally trying to come up with what is the message? What is the theme of this text? Was it that the congregation needs to hear? What are the stories? What are the examples? Um, how's it all tied together? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody told me once that pastors are good at answering questions that nobody's really asking. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. And yes, so yes. you're trying to ask, you know, where are people itching? What are the curiosities, the doubts the questions that they have and i i love how you kind of lean out of your own space too kind of saying i haven't quite figured this out sometimes but in your you're shifting your own convictions with the spirit and um uh, but you know you're also sort of got this characteristic tweet thing that you do in the beginning where you show a tweet uh uh or a few a little series at the beginning and the end it's kind of like um one of your little um yeah Joel Simpson trademarks, I think, right? So, um, <laughs> yeah. do you have a secret yeah, to how you find these very quirky tweets, um, or 
That's um, not, that, I don't think that's much of your 20 hours goes into that, is it? No, not that much. I mean, <laughs> um, it's, you know, if you, so we also, one of the gifts of this congregation is we have the capability to show audiovisual stuff. So yeah. I capitalize on that all the time. Let's make videos. Let's, um, let's, I just follow people on Instagram who are all about memes or people on Twitter who are all about memes. And, you know, you just, um, archiving is extremely important when it comes to anything, right? So here's a file I have, and I'm going to put anything that's funny in there. Oh, I know I'm going to be doing a series on love, sex, and marriage this fall. So anything that might even relate to that meme-wise, I'm just, just going to dump toss it, in, it there, in there, right? Dump it. Um, and yeah. incidentally, I just finished writing a manuscript that Joel helped me with pieces of it on. And um, because there are some of these little anecdotes or stories or tweets that I was like, man, this is good. And uh, so I've, <laughs> I've got my own little folder, man. Um, yeah. Let me just say for folks tuning in, uh, first of all, thanks for joining us. And this is Shane Claiborne. I'm hosting the show and talking to my buddy, Joel Simpson, Pastor Joel Simpson down at First Methodist Church, First United Methodist Church in Taylorsville, North Carolina. And we're, and we're talking real down to earth about what it looks like to be a pastor right now. And I wanted, you know, one of the things that you've done is you, you're very creative, um, like both building on the old stuff. So not throwing out, you know, the traditions and liturgies that have worked, but we need some imagination, especially in COVID. A lot of congregations, they're not just rebound. They're not just bouncing back. Some of them are shutting down. And, and yet like there's this life that I experience every time I've, I've been, you know, we're in worship with you. Um, and, and so say a little bit about what you've learned about pastoring in COVID and even beyond COVID, you know, I mean, in this kind of funky cultural moment where a lot of young people are leaving the church um, and, and you're doing a lot of creative stuff. So just maybe say a word about that, man. Yeah. Um, well, I guess pastoring during COVID is just hard. Like it's just true for everybody doing anything in the midst of the COVID crisis was just hard. Um, so we actually partnered with the Presbyterian church for a little while. Um, that wasn't even my idea. The, the minister, we're friends. He reached out to me and just said, we don't have live stream capability. And could we just come and worship with you? Like you and me lead worship together. And we did that for almost a year uh, mm -hmm. with nobody in the building except for the band and the choir. And the reason we had two services, a contemporary with the band and a traditional with the choir, and we merged that together with the Presbyterian church. So that model kind of shifted what we did and coming out of COVID and coming back to in-person worship, we kind of kept, kept a lot of those elements and said, we're just, how do we blend the good uh, traditional stuff uh, with the good contemporary stuff and make the best of both worlds? Um, and I think we've done that pretty well. Obviously things can shift and be better, but uh, where we're at right now, people I think really appreciate it. So we've mostly just tried to be faithful to what connects, right? What, there, there are some things out there that are part of Christian tradition that just have no, we keep them just because, you know, yeah. because they're tradition. And if there's no meaning behind them, it, it's not doing anything for anybody. So yeah, I think yeah. of our confirmation group, um, we have them right. Uh, uh, affirmation of faith every year. And I have them look through the traditional creeds of the church. And I say, Hey, what one speaks to you the most? And it's never, it's never the apostles creed. It's never the Nicene creed. Uh, they come up, they connect with some new creed that was created. That's in our United Methodist hymnal. 
and then they write their own and you just find language matters every generation. And so how do we hold the truth of these wonderful uh, traditional creeds and give them new language that continues to provide the depth of meaning for people now? Yeah, so these creeds sometimes that the young people have written, that's what you're affirming the faith, you know, our faith with each Sunday and give a couple of lines of that. It's like a, the creator that was creating and is still creating. I, I remember, you know, I've said it a number of times, but you've said it more than me. So yeah, give us a <laughs> yeah. couple of lines of, of kind of the, the fresh and old together. Yeah. Well, and last, um, we've done a bunch of different ones and uh, actually the congregation said, we want more change. This is what they said recently. <laughs> Can you imagine a congregation saying that? We yeah. want more change. Um, so one we've been doing recently is um, we believe in God, the creator who is created, who created and is creating everything, the universe, the world, the plants and animals and us, each of us unique and beloved of God. Mm. Um, and so we just put, yeah, we, we can all agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And there are people who say, I don't, I don't know that I want to say something that I haven't read before, right? Yeah. That I can't, I'm affirming my faith, but you're asking me to affirm my faith with words. I'm not sure what they are. <laughs> so, you know, which I totally get, right? So we have to always play this balance of how do you make this pay attention? Or yeah. How do you make this happen for everybody? Yeah. Yeah. And so the other thing that I think, I mean, so there's, there's so many things that are fascinating, I think, as, as sort of a microcosm of the bigger church about First Methodist in Taylorsville. And, and one of them is, that, I mean, you don't have a huge staff. You've got a ton of volunteers and people that are active in the community. Um, but I mean, I yeah. noticed that even when the youth went on their, uh, their summer missions trip to uh, Charleston, you were on that trip. I mean, it's, yeah. I, I don't even know if you have a full-time youth pastor, but you're, you're there with everybody. Um, but I think there's a lot to learn from the communal structure rather than just the staffing and um, traditional models, because I mean, some of this is sustainability too. Like how do you sustain a small church when you're, you know, you've got all these different paid staff and, and things like that. So I think there's, there's almost a whole new model uh, that sometimes I compare to the recovery community, like uh, mm. AA and some of these other organizations have much more organic uh, staffing kind of structures than the church, which has always been like kind of very rigid, you know, and hierarchical in a lot of ways. But um, I don't yeah. know if you want to say more about that. Well, what I'll say is the one thing we committed to coming out of COVID was a more simplified way of doing life together. Yeah. So we even changed our vision to say, um, you know, our vision currently is to deepen discipleship by making connection, growth, and service simple. We mm. tend to overcomplicate things. Let's simplify it. What are the things we're doing we don't need to do? Who's involved that doesn't need to be involved? How many meetings are we in? Jeez, can we cut back on the meetings? Because people want, uh, Mike Slaughter, our friend Mike Slaughter, he says, people want meaning, not meetings. Right? Mm. They want to be involved in ministry, not meetings. And so let's free people to do what God's called them to do. Yeah. So that's what we've been moving towards post-COVID. Yeah. And, and uh, um, the, the other thing I wanted to ask you about is like, you know, there's, there's these denominations. So a lot of folks are just planning churches that are autonomous, that have no denominational ties. And, um, and yet there's something to be said to the accountability, the roots, the, you know, history of being a part of a denomination. <laughs> um, and, but the United Methodist Church is um, been in quite the uh, chaotic uh, period of redefinition, especially around same-sex marriage. Uh, the, the church has not agreed on that. And so now there's a, 
a split between the U.S. Methodist Church and the global Methodist Church, and there's just a lot of really difficult dynamics. And um, I wonder if you've got any lessons learned uh, on how to navigate that. Um, and because my heart's really broken, growing up Methodist and seeing those divisions and. Um, and, and I think that it's not just Methodists. I mean, the Anglican Church, so many other uh, parts of the church uh, are are really struggling to find their way at such a time as this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and a lot so, of young people are just like, oh, my gosh, like, you yeah. can't believe that the church is still talking about, well, you know. Why are we having like, this yeah. debate and conversation? And let's just forget it. Right. These are the things that just seem so dumb to so many of us. Yeah. Um, but what I what I'll say is this. Um, yes, they're annoying, difficult conversations that nobody wants to have, but have them, you know, just have them. Um, we, we put in time to have them a few years ago. And in 2019, the Methodist Church was going to have this big global meeting to make a decision. And so we, we wanted to get ahead of it and kind of be clear on where we were as a congregation, how people felt. And what I found is not everyone's on the same page, obviously, but what everyone is on the same page about is we're going to love everybody no matter what. Mm. And so what I tried to do was raise up those stories and I'll be doing that again soon, but to raise up those stories, like one church member shared, he went to a very uh, prominent church, a mega church when he was out doing some stuff. And he said, you know, the pastor started talking about same gender marriage and things. And he made a joke that the whole sermon was on being gracious and compassionate. And he made a joke and said, um, you know, LGBTQ, uh, WXYZ, you know, and he said, all these people started laughing in the congregation. And so I went home and I emailed the pastor and just said, Hey, I, I was there Sunday and, um, you know, was really enjoying your message and you made this joke. And I just didn't feel like that was gracious. Mm. And I didn't feel like that was, you didn't model what you were trying to teach us to model. Mm. And he said, I also believe marriage is between one man and one woman but I don't believe Jesus called us to act and be like this in the world and to treat people like that. Mm. And to me, that was a, a really foundational, important piece to raise up to the congregation to say, you can have a different opinion, but you can't not love people well, and you can't not respect people. Yeah, it's so good. And Joel and I get to talk about this stuff all the time, but unfortunately this half hour flew by. I had a handful of other questions I wanted to ask, but you've been listening to Joel Simpson, pastor of First United Methodist Church in Taylorsville, North Carolina. And uh, thank you for joining us today. We'll do this again sometime, but thank you, buddy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, oh, yeah. you guys should tune in and join, join worship on Sunday morning sometime at 930 Eastern time. Okay. Love y'all. See you next week. Hey, y'all, this is Shane Claiborne with Red Letter Christians, and I've got a big favor to ask of you. We want to get to know you a little bit more and make sure that you're getting what you need from Red Letter Christians. So I would love it if you would head to tinyurl.com slash RLC dash podcast. It's all in the show notes and take five minutes to complete a little survey from you so that we can make sure that you get more of what you love. It's just an honor to be building a better world with all of you. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Red Letter Christians podcast. Too often, Christians have used our faith as a ticket into heaven and a license to ignore the world we live in. 
but at Red Letter Christians, we believe our faith is not just about going to heaven when we die, but also about bringing heaven to earth while we live. For more information on Red Letter Christians and upcoming events, additional resources, you can go to the show notes or our website, redletterchristians.org. You can also support Red Letter Christians by giving a one-time donation or becoming a monthly sustainer. Just go to our website and click the red donate button. Thank you for being a part of this conversation and for being a part of this movement.